I have family that lives in the Chicago area, and when I go to visit them, I stay in a small city north of Chicago called Evanston. And it's a cool little town with an active downtown area, it, uh, with all kinds of people bustling about, and it reminds me of what downtown Akron used to be like when O'Neill's and Polsky's and Scott's and Woolworth's were still open. So I'm there in Evanston one day and I'm walking across the square where there's a fountain in the middle of it and a guy is waving me down. He kind of has an odd gait as he walks. He's wearing a bike helmet. When he speaks, he speaks with kind of a slur. And at first I was hesitant to see what he wanted but he was, seemed very earnest, and so he came out, and as it turned out, he didn't want anything from me. He wanted to give me something. He simply wanted me to consider wearing a bike helmet if and whenever I rode my bike. I wasn't always like this, he informed me. I went riding without my helmet and had a bad fall, and now you can see the results. Now, I just want people to wear their bike helmets. It was a powerful testimony. It's one thing to see a poster that says, wear your bike helmet. It's one thing for your mom to say, wear your bike helmet. Oh, mom, maybe you're a little overcautious. It's another for someone with personal experience to show you what the effects can be if you don't do this simple thing. It was powerful, and he was a great disciple for the cause. We might doubt somebody just telling us something in theory, but much less so someone who tells us something because of personal testimony. I think that's why some of us who have been around the block a few times tend to have a bit of caution when we hear it proclaimed, science now says. Now, let's be straight, to be a good Catholic, you must love science. The church is very pro-science. As a matter of fact, her people develop the scientific method. And we also say that if faith and science do not agree, your interpretation or understanding of one or the other is faulty. But as we are not brain dead when it comes to matters of faith, neither should we be in matters of science. So when there is a screaming headline in the paper about what science now says, instead of getting all excited yet once again, we who have been around the block a couple of times might ask the following questions. Exactly who is saying this? Who paid for the research? Is this everything or are you only telling me the part that benefits you? Who is interpreting the results? Can this scientist reproduce the results, or can other scientists reproduce these results? And what exactly was the method that you used to get these results? Was there anything faulty about it? So if you read something, say about, just for example, global climate change, if you read about it, that's one thing. If you have a, a cousin who goes to Banff National Park on two occasions a decade apart, apart, and they show you a picture of where the glaciers used to be, and then they take a picture of how quickly it has receded, you might be more inclined to think, hmm, there may be something worth paying attention to here, or less controversially. Which, which works better, 
for removing the smell of skunk from your dog? Tomato juice or a combination of hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, and Dawn? Having a dog that has been skunked several times, I will testify that it's the latter. Believe me, I would. Now, understanding this, if you come up with a scientific discovery, it's inane to keep it to yourself. The wonders of, of science are intended to be shared. Sticky notes, one of the best inventions of the last century. What good would it have been if he kept it to himself? Well, this is pretty cool. I invented sticky notes. No, what you do is you let everybody know about sticky notes. Now everybody uses sticky notes. Fish oil for high blood pressure. What's the good of it if you're the only one who knows it's good for you? Or rice for your phone after you dropped it in water. I remember my dad was deep into dementia and bending over one day when I shouldn't have. The phone fell out of my pocket and fell into the water. And I showed it to my dad. And he says, put it in a bag of rice and wait three days. And I think, my dad's into dementia. He's never even so much as touched a cell phone. What does he know? But an obedient son, I put it in there, and three days, resurrects it. It came back to life. <laughs> so I recommend it. What is good for science is also good for faith. If you, as a Christian, practicing your faith well, with the same rigor as a science practices his trade, and you make a discovery I'm more at peace than the people around me, or the world makes more sense, or I had this positive experience, or I see the good in this. Then why keep it to yourself? Why would you keep, in the same way you wouldn't keep sticky notes to yourself, why would you keep eternal things to yourself? Jesus today, before he sends into heaven, essentially says to his disciples, I am ascending now. You guys are in charge. Here's what you are to do. Go out and spread the good news. That's our role. That's what we are told to do. And it sounds like a big, scary thing, to, uh, much bigger and much scarier than trying to convince people to recycle. But you don't have to go knocking on doors. That'd be a really cool thing, but we don't have to go knocking on doors. We don't have to carry a sign downtown but if someone asks you for the reason of your peace, or of your hope, or of your joy, testify. And by testify, I don't mean quote scripture. I mean tell them your story. Tell them like the guy with the bicycle helmet told me his story. What changed in your life because of faith? I like to listen to this American Life on the radio, and there was an episode recently about a man who was sad about something called Fermini's Paradox. Fermini's Paradox is named after the physicist Enrico Fermi, uh, Fermi. I'm sorry, it's Fermi, not Fermini, he's not Italian. It is the apparent contradiction between the lack of evidence and the high probability of scientific estimates like those given by the Drake Equation, for the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations. According to this line of reasoning, the Earth should have already been visited by extraterrestrial aliens. 
In, inform in an informal conversation, Fermi noted no convincing scientific evidence of this, leading him to ask, where is everybody? Why don't we have any evidence of life out there? And the person telling the story on This American Life talked about how incredibly sad he was. There's all this space out there and all this beauty. And he asked, is it just dead? Are we really alone? And when we die, do we just disappear into nothingness, like all this space out there? And he found it so terribly disappointing. And I thought it would be fun to have a conversation with him. I would like to discuss with him how existence is even bigger than he knows, that the universe is more beautiful than he believes and far more full of life than he can ever imagine. The universe is just a speck of creation when you take into account the realm of heaven. There are more creatures than we know of in the form of different species of angels. We are not alone. We have the souls of our loved ones to count even among us, even though we can't measure or weigh or photograph them. And how do I know this? Because of Christ who ascended into heaven and in whom we are one body, and that body cannot be cut in half even by death. And the 2,000-year experience and witness of the church to say that these people are still alive. How when my mother died, Bishop Pilla was there at the Mass, and he came down, and he had just recently lost his mom, and he spoke to my family, and he says, I can't tell you how. I can only tell you that. You are going to go on in your life and all of a sudden something will happen and you'll go, that's mom. He says, it happened to me, it's going to happen to you, and that's a sign that we are still connected. And it did happen. And I testify that it is true. And so when I see a graveyard, I am not sad, at least not for them. I may be sad for me that I don't have their presence with me, but I'm not sad for them because I know where they are. And I think of all those that I will see when I join them. I don't see a dead universe. I see a universe on display for our amazement. I don't see us being alone, but by being surrounded, crowded with intelligent life, both visible and invisible. And this brings me joy and peace. It helps me wake up every morning. And the knowledge of this we get from our ascended Lord, who will be sending us his Holy Spirit who makes science possible in this glorious universe.